Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Word Balloon. The Comic Book Conversation Show. John Suntress here. Great show for you today. We welcome back Matt Kent, longtime fan of Matt Kent's, going back to things like Super Spy and Pistol Whip. Matt has an excellent story out right now that's just getting started. Department H. If you take away the uh, separation, it spells depth. And uh, that's kind of a play on words because it's an underwater locked room mystery that is inspired by things like Jacques Cousteau and uh, some of the great uh, Jules Verne kind of stories. Very cool, but it's modern day, and it's a mystery. Really interesting stuff, great tech, and Matt discusses his designs and uh, just his thought process on doing stories, how uh, his great series Mind Management from Dark Horse has changed the way that he writes comics. We also talk a lot about his Valiant work. Matt's doing the 4001 AD event that is uh, coming this summer for Valiant, but uh, he's doing a ton of work, and we talk about those books and uh, why he's chosen to do corporate comics for Valiant. Well, first time we really get a chance to, I think, talk in depth about Valiant on Word Balloon. Happy to do it with Matt Kent. Part two is a shorty, but, man, it was just great uh, timing. NHL star Jeremy Roenick, who is retired now but was a great star for the Blackhawks and the Flyers, he uh, was in Chicago. I had to uh, help him produce his podcast on this end. And, uh, you know, it was a fun experience for me. And I'm like, you know, you like sci-fi movies. Sit down. Let's talk for a minute. So quickie with uh, Jeremy Roenick, just talking about uh, some great sci-fi and television to wrap things up on today's Word Balloon. Word Balloon brought to you by InStock Trades at InStockTrades.com. Tremendous deals are happening now on things like the Guardians of the Galaxy premium hardcover. Volume 1, Emperor Quill. It is 50% off. Our buddy Brian Bendis doing the writing on that. Just $12.49. Batman Europa. What an interesting project. Uh, This great book uh, features the writing of Matteo Casali. And Giuseppe Camucoli did the art. Man, what a beautiful book. Brian Azzarello translates it. And uh, it is uh, Batman and the Joker running through Europe. Uh, Very cool story. 50% off. Just $11.49. You can get a tremendous collection of Captain America called Man Without a Country, and it features several stories, including uh, Mark Wade and Ron Garney's uh, wonderful run. That is 50% off, just $19.99. How about comic history with Bern Hogarth's Tarzan, the hardcover volume 3, Tarzan vs. the Nazis, is uh, 25% off, and it's just $29.96. Man, I'm telling you, classic comic strip art and storytelling in that Tarzan run from Bern Hogarth. Just a few of the uh, things that are on sale now at InStockTrades.com. Check it out for yourself, InStockTrades.com. Okay, without further ado, let's get underway and welcome Matt Kent back to Word Balloon. He's back. It's Matt Kent. Always threatening, Matt, that, I, that I'd get you back on, and I'm glad we finally uh, made time to do this. Welcome back to Word Balloon. I appreciate it. I'm, I'm super squirrely, so you nail me down finally. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's another good project, Department H. I'm, uh, I'm psyched. I, uh, you know, the great thing is, I, you know, I know I'm, I know I'm older than you, um, but I saw in the, uh, in the solicit that David Hyde sent us that uh, one of your inspirations was uh, Jacques Cousteau. And, dude, I'm telling you, I was at that right age with the undersea world of Jacques Cousteau because it was happening in the 60s and 70s. And really, I I don't even know when it stopped, but I remember it being alongside the space program and and being just as excited about the the exploration of, of undersea as much as what we were doing in outer space. And clearly, that is a theme uh, comparing the two environments in Department H as well. 
Yeah, you know, that's it's funny. It's been sort of one of my crackpot theories I always talk about. Like, if you know me in person and we go to dinner, several things will come up. One of the things I always talk about is how we could have world peace if everybody decided to play soccer games instead of go to war. <laughs> and then the other thing I talk about is how we should be exploring the ocean instead of space because there's there are guaranteed living things down there. <laughs> so I don't... And it's funny, so I sort of flip-flop back and forth because I love space travel, too. Like, this, you know, I grew up with the space shuttle and all, all that sure. stuff happening. And, and I would write off letters to the astronauts and get these get photos back. And Oh, that's great. So that, that's the kind of thing I had loved when I was a kid, you know. And Jacques Cousteau was, was probably slightly before my time, but it was okay. still part of my consciousness, you know. And I, and I was like, yeah, I love, I love submarines. And I love the underwater stuff. And uh and so that's always been since I was a kid. I was like always torn. I'm like I love underwater. I love space. <laughs> like I love them both. But it seemed like space took over, and then people stopped sort of doing cool things underwater, you know. Or, or, and it seemed like I was like, "There's no way we've explored it all. There's no way." <laughs> sure. But uh, it sort of it sort of seemed to die off a little bit that excitement. Uh, yeah, and you know, I mean, Cousteau was like the last guy that I remember really having almost a regular TV show. Uh, where, you know, they would just show this incredible film. And I know he was, you know, obviously French, so I don't know if we were just getting uh, French television. And then I I know that he would narrate in English with a very heavy French accent. Our first dive was very exciting. You know, I mean, it was was great to hear. And I know his son is still very active. And whatever foundation I think was left in Jacques' honor or whatever, I know is very heavily into certainly the the environmental issues with uh, the oceans – and as you say, no, there. I mean, certainly uh, we have not fully explored uh, the true depths of the sea because partially, too, and I think we learned this with the big oil spill, uh, the British Petroleum oil spill from a couple of years ago, that, yeah, there are depths that, no, humans still can't go down. So, I mean, you can send probes and stuff, but, yeah, I mean, you know, no, there's still a ton of the ocean that, that I think you're right is still uncovered, so there's great mysteries there. Yeah, I mean, it, it's one of those things where I think, Part of it is it's just harder. It's harder to go to the deepest part of the ocean than it is to go into space in, in a lot of ways. You know, like once you get through the atmosphere and you're in space, you just have to have a this contained vessel that you know there's no pressure on it after you get there. Like once you get right. there, you're, you're good. But when you go to the ocean, like the the further you go, the deeper you go, the harder it gets. Like it, it just it doesn't get easier. You don't get you don't reach a plateau where you're like, oh, okay, good, we're you know, yeah. we're through this atmosphere and now we're good. They're like it just gets worse and worse and worse, or harder and harder. And, uh, and so that's that's kind of what was fun. And I I thought from a narrative standpoint, I was like, what better story than to just go deeper, 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 and have this pressure build up, like literally the pressure build up, and then have this character who's sort of stuck in this underwater base and uh, and have all this weight literally on her shoulders as she's trying to solve this crime and and uh and then the base starts filling up so you you know it's it's a slow a slow build um where in space the other thing is from a narrative point of view if there's a breach in the hall or something it's over immediately you know (laughs) but with this you know i can sort of tease it out you know like they can block off sections and slowly fills up and and slowly the space gets tighter and tighter and tighter where I think that makes for a better story rather than there's an accident in space and then explodes and everybody's dead. <laughs> true, true. <laughs> That's true. It's a short, pretty short story right yeah, there. Yeah. Poof. <laughs> <It's>, <gasps> the end. <laughs> yeah, it's a good eight-page well, story and then you're done. 
That's that's very true. So no, and then I'm, I'm sure I gave some sort of description at the beginning of Department H, but you you give us a better uh, description. This is a murder mystery as we're talking about it under under the ocean, and uh, you you take it from there. Yeah, you know it's it's funny. I was outlining it and writing it, and uh, and I had this idea to do. I wanted to do something underwater, something with like a, the deepest part of the ocean, um, and uh, and that was where it, really where the story started. I was like, well, what can we do down there? And then. Uh, and then I was looking at my past work, and I'm, I'm trying to hit every genre. Like before I die, I'd love to hit, hit every genre there is. Like, a boy. Every popular one, at least, you know, and even the unpopular ones. But uh, so I was like, I've never done a murder mystery. So I was like, this is perfect. So we'll have a murder mystery down there, and she goes goes down, and then uh, and then when I start writing, I was like, well, this is a this is like a locked room murder mystery, and I. Uh, yeah. And so I, I started reading uh, a bunch of Agatha Christie books to sort of figure oh, this cool. out. I'm like, I because that wasn't a, a genre I really grew up reading. Like I loved Sherlock Sherlock Holmes and that kind of mystery, sure. and I liked Columbo and those kind of love Columbo. Yeah, absolutely. Man. But those weren't those weren't really. I, I was like, I really want to do something where it's just a straight up who done it. It's like we set up the scene, we show the characters, and it's like, okay, who, well, who did it? And she has to figure it out. So. So I just read a ton of Agatha Christie, and and uh, and I remember uh, my mom reading those as a kid and seeing these the great covers and everything, these those little paperbacks, and and loving the covers. But it, it was funny. I was like, I've never read those. I can't believe it. So I read a bunch of those as inspiration to sort of figure out what's been done and how she does it, you know. And uh, but then to try to put my own twist on it. So that's a thing. So you, they go down there. And there's the deep sea base. It starts to flood, and she's trying to figure it out. And in the first issue, she sort of realizes that uh, you realize the reader realizes the murder victim is her father. So there's an extra little emotional element in there where she has to deal with um, losing her father, uh, trying to figure out this who murdered him. Uh, the base is flooding. She's trying to get out, and and basically, uh, this is like a ticking. It's like a ticking clock then for the whole series. Like the, this base is going to be flooding for the entire series. She's never going to get to the surface until the end, you know, it, if she can get to the surface, you know. Uh, so there's, there's sort of this, the other idea I had was to do a whole series where uh, a character goes in the water, gets in the submarine. You never see the sun again. You know, <laughs> she's going down there and, and for the rest of the series, she's down there. There's no, they're not, we're not cutting to above water and what they're doing up there and this and that, you know, it's, we're just going to be with her feeling all the pressure and the, and the sort of the claustrophobia and everything. And, and, uh, and I kind of wanted to do that, like a more of a simple, straightforward, sort of almost like a thriller type series that, that just takes place kind of in real time too, where every issue is, is about an hour of real time. Okay. And, uh, and we'll see how that goes, you know, like crash and burn by the second year too, you know, but I'm hoping I have a good plan. Mia is your detective, and um, we are getting space scenes, though, right? Yeah, there. Are, I'm cheating a little bit. There's there, every issue. There's like a two or three page glimpse of her past, and sometimes it's okay. when she's like ten years old. Other times it's when she's in space with her father and she's younger. Um, and we sort of follow that uh, that arc and her uh, the family dynamic between her and her father and her brother, who's also down the base. And there's sort of a family dynamic there where she's suspicious of her brother um and then we sort of get a little bit of their backstory as we go along too so i do cheat it a little bit but it's only like two or three pages every issue where we get a little glimpse of her past 
Um, and, and I've, and I've done it in a way where since she's never, she's not really going to sleep either for the entire series. So she starts to okay. get more tired as we go along. She starts yeah. to hallucinate a little bit and have these sort of like crazy visions. And then also glimpses of, of her past that sort of tie into what's going on down there. That's excellent. We've got, I'm counting the, the last page right now, the first issue, how many suspects we have. We got four, seven suspects. Yeah. Yeah. And you've got uh, Raj, her brother. You've got uh, Jerome, the head of research. Um, there's Roger, who is uh, her father's uh, business partner. Q, the head of security. Lily, an old childhood friend of Mia's that uh, they had a falling out, as you say. Uh, is this our, let me see, Aaron, the, re- or the re- research assistant, as, as you say in a question mark, chaplain. Um, and then, uh, is that Bolo? The weapons, it's Bob. Excuse me, Bob. Okay, yeah. sorry. You know, I'm reading from a PDF on my on my uh, flash drive here, or on my uh, on my uh, Kindle. No, no, that's good. So there we I go. was afraid you were going to ask me to remember the names. I'm like, <laughs> I got ask me. <laughs> no, no, I got them. And the other great thing is, I mean, and and people, fans of yours know from things like uh, Super Spy and stuff, you love to put in just little bits of business, and you've got Mia's notes on uh, as she's kind of going over the suspects, and and I think that's really cool. Um, at least I, and I, again, you guys were not kind enough to show me the first two issues. I won't go too much in the story, but at least we see that in the second issue. I don't know if there's any, uh, bonus stuff in the first issue. No, there is, isn't there? There's a description of, of Mia's, uh, uh, wetsuit, right? Yeah. Yeah. There's like a little diagram that shows how it works and everything's, you know, the, the design of that reminded me very much of major Matt Mason. Oh yeah. And I, I totally see that. that. That probably was in my subconscious. <laughs> That's yeah. great, man. Okay, cool. Cause truly, I was I wasn't that much of a GI Joe kid. I was a major Mad Mason kid, mm-hmm. so that's fantastic. That's great. No, I think this is a great start. It reminds me too. And again, because I know I know you love like old old radio and uh, and old movies and stuff. It's it it's almost a monogram kind of murder mystery uh, underwater too. Yeah, yeah. It's got that kind of classic '30s kind of whodunit, and you know some of the. Some of the program films, and you know, Colombo, I think, like you know, and I'm, you likely agree, took more of its uh, cues from the British versions, like the Peter Whimsies and the Agatha Christie stories and stuff like that. But it, you know, um, unfortunately, all I can think of are, are a lot of a lot of movie series now that I think would uh, might be considered kind of racially insensitive and things like Mister Moto and, and Charlie Chan mm-hmm. and you know, kind of kind of those. So the Sherlock Holmes films, I guess, really followed. Somewhat the same thing, but like you said, it, it is different because it is this kind of locked room uh, mystery where all the suspects are trapped; they can't go anywhere. Yeah, yeah, that's what I. Uh, yeah, so it, I, uh, I'm pulling from all that stuff, you know, and I love Sherlock Holmes, and but all mm-hmm. those mysteries, they all have sort of a different take on like how it's going to be solved. You have like the master detective, and you know they're kind of all knowing, and they know it before you do, and or or you have sort of the bumbling guy and everything. So I. That's what was fun for me is to come up with a character like Mia who is a little different, you know, and she's emotionally invested in it. It's not just here's one more case where I'm going to figure this thing out like I always do or use these skills. She has to sort of figure it out on the fly. And, and so I think she's unique in the detective genre, you know, because I think she because of her ties to the victim. And and so honestly, it's as much about her and her story and her family as it is the murder mystery. And, uh, sure. And that's how I like all the genre stuff. I love all that. Everything you're talking about, I love it all. And uh, but to me, that's always like the that's like the candy coating. You know, that's the thing. Yeah, that makes the, the colors dressing, look absolutely. great. 
And yeah. it's like, oh, I want to read it because it has a cool submarine in it, you know, and all that stuff to me is like the, <laughs> those are the great trappings I loved since I was 12. And the, you know, the 12 year old me is always going to love them. But I'm also trying to do a story where, you know, you care about the character and it's about yeah, something more and, and trying to push the medium of comics forward and everything. And honestly, I learned so much when I, I, I did mind management. I was working on that for four years. It really, uh, made me look at comics in a different way and I and uh and I'll never I'll never be the same after that, you know. And so doing like that extra stuff in the in the beginning, at the end, the little diagrams of her suit and all mm-hmm. that stuff is those are things where um I just I kinda learned along the way where every part of the comic is sort of essential to the story, you know, and and um so Department Ace is definitely designed like that. So you're gonna get, you know, twenty two to twenty four pages of straight up story beginning to end, but then in the stuff on the edges, the stuff on the outsides and inside covers is, is going to be stuff that's uh, like extra little design stuff or diagrams of the base or the suits and different things that are stuff that I want to have in there because I, mm-hmm. like I literally, I spent a lot of time designing like the diving suits and the look of the headquarters and, and how everything works. Um, but I didn't want to like, I didn't want to interrupt the story with that stuff, you know, because that, sure. that can be distracting. It's like, oh, here's this cool gadget. Let's whip this out and I'll show you how to use it before we get on with the next part of the story. <laughs> and and uh, so I thought like a more natural way is to just cut it out all the way, put it on the edges, have diagrams and things to sort of show how it works. So so you, so you your subconscious sort of absorbs like, oh, this is how the suit works. This is why those there's all these weird cameras on the front of this helmet you know because there's no light down there so you have to have these weird different cameras that can pick up things with no light and um and so that kind of stuff i hope will sort of like subliminally inform the story as you read it absolutely no and that's the thing that it's um well i you know again you, you know you point to it and, and, and i want to hear about the experience of doing mind management because that really was your first long-term ongoing kind of work i mean how many volumes at the end of, like how many issues at the end of the day let alone volume yeah it was it was six volumes 30 36 issues plus an issue zero and then another bonus issues so like 37 issues okay and and you know i uh david hyde uh, your pr guy uh, was was saying in in the blurb that this is kind of the next extension from my management and it sounds like that in terms of an evolution of your storytelling but is is this happening in the same world or is this a different world yeah, there's there's honestly there's a thread between this and every book, you know. Right. And sometimes it's a character, and sometimes it's um. There, so there's like the one of the villains from Mind Management is in this. Um, suddenly he's in the first issue, kind of barely. Um, okay. But that's a character that was in Revolver, who was in uh, what else? Oh, that's fantastic. He was in Super Spy three story he's in every you know it's a single character that's kind of in everything that sort of threads it all together Uh, (laughs) that's terrific man that's really cool because i was gonna say like i like i mentioned in super spy you've always been a guy that puts um those kinds of little like extra bonus things like i said either like designs or in super spy there'd be telegrams or you know notes or a photo you know obviously it's your it's your art but you know what? Look, you know a, a representation of a black and white photograph and stuff, and maybe a little note on there. And it's it is. It's just these like little kind of trinkets and and diagrams and and information that, as you say, you know, it it does it. It makes the story richer. It but like you said, you don't want to interrupt the flow of the story and stuff. So tell me though about that experience of of doing, you know, uh, 
my management through through six volumes and, and 38 issues. What you know, yeah, like can you can you put in terms of like moving forward what you've learned? Because like I said, I think the window dressing stuff has always been there in your work. Yeah, no, I th- I think it everything really came to head with mind management, and I feel like like I'll never be the same after having done that series. You know, it it was the first thing where I was doing an issue every month. You know, I had to keep it contained mm-hmm. within the twenty four pages and and sort of pace out a large story in sort of a kind of an artificial format. You know, everything before that had been graphic novels where it's just going to be as long as it needs to be. You know, and I can pace it however I want. You know, but having that constraint of a monthly comic is is completely different. Like it changes how you're going to tell a story and how you're going to break it down and, and how do you make each issue, uh, satisfying on its own, but also feed like this larger animal that is like the big story, you know? And, and so I think that's the thing that, uh, I'm most proud of, especially with my management, my management is that I, I had like a three year plan for that. And, uh, and it, and I didn't wreck it, you know, (laughs) It, it turned out good. So, yeah, it did. No, it did. And, you know, honestly, man, I'm really glad that your audience has only broadened. You know, I mean, God, the last time we talked on the air was Revolver. And that was, yeah. God, five or six years ago yeah. now that I think about it. Um, so, I mean, and and again, I mean, you know, it was, like I said, Super Spy. And, and, I, and I always forget now, is it, uh, damn it, what's the old time, what's the old radio? It was Pistol Whip was the first one. Pistol Whip. Yeah, yeah. Yes. So, I mean... That's the thing. I mean, initially, like right away, you were doing stuff that I was like, oh, I love this stuff. This is great. And then, like you said, three story and some of these other things. It's it's terrific that um, the audience gets and is accepting of, uh, you know, your very lush, illustrative style that you wouldn't initially think is right for some of the genres you tackle. And I'm glad well, fuck that. I'm 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 me. I'm my my own artist and everything. And you you know the great thing is I think people clearly love your art as much as they do your your writing. Yeah, you know, and I think it's interesting. It it uh, it it stands out compared to everything on the shelves. You know, for good or for yeah. better or worse. Um, but I honestly, like, I went to art school for four years. I learned. I didn't go to school to make comics. I learned. I went to school to learn art. You know, and so then my okay. approach to comics was sort of informed by that. And I didn't learn how to draw from comic books. You know, I learned, sure. I learned the love of art from comics. Like when I was a kid, I was, you know, I was copying stuff out of there like everybody else, you know, and, uh, like trying to draw like, um, Barry Windsor Smith and, and, uh, but then mm-hmm. I, you get to school and it's like, okay, I need to learn how to paint. I need to learn how to, how to, how to really draw, you know? And, uh, so I went to school for that and it was interesting because, uh, I went to fine art and, uh, they didn't. Nobody liked comics. Comics back in this is like mid nine, mid to late nineties. Mm-hmm. They were not as accepted as they are now. You know, if I sure. told everybody at in art school that hey, I want to do comics for a living, they would, you know, they're like, get out of here. <laughs> <laughs> but that was my plan. Like I always went to school. I was like, okay, I'm I'm going to do comics in some form or another. I don't know if I'm going to be writing or drawing or both or what, how I'm going to do it, but I'm going to do it. Um, but going to art school. Uh, I was like, okay, I can't just put a page of comics up there. They're going to rip me apart and critique, you know. I got to learn how to oil paint. I got to learn how to watercolor. I have to learn how to draw human anatomy, you know, <laughs> like like a, like fine artists. And so, sure. And I, you know, I took classes in like performance art and everything, things that I, th- I was like, I'm never going to use this. Uh, but I took them anyway. And I was like, I'm just going to, I'll keep an open mind and I'll take 
what I like and I'll leave what I don't, you know? And, uh, what's funny is like, I got out of school and I started doing my own comics and I did many comics. Um, but man, it, it's funny. I, you don't know what you are going to use or what is going to affect you until you, until it really soaks in, you know? So I, sure. all that stuff I learned in art school eventually started to seep into how I thought about everything, you know, especially comics because that, that was my first love. And so I was, when I started drawing them, I was like, why am I, I don't want to draw, I don't want to do what's been done, you know? And, and I didn't even want to, I didn't want to do superhero comics. I'm like, why am I going to put another superhero comic into the world? We don't need them. Absolutely. You know? And I, I love when I go to the bookstore, I buy uh, all kinds of books. I love science fiction. You know, I love fiction. I love nonfiction. I like autobiography. I like, I like all that stuff. So why, when I go to the comic store, do I get one genre, you know? And so I, that was the other thing. So I, all that stuff put together, I'm like, uh, what am I going to do? Um, but it really helped. Like I didn't, I didn't have classes on how to, how to do comics the Marvel way or, or how to, sure. you know, all that classic drafting stuff. Like I knew how to paint. I knew how to draw. I'm like, okay, let's just, let's see how this works in comics, you know, and how can I do it and tell a story and, and try to do something that I like the way it looks, you know? So that, that's kind of what always drove me. It was, um, like what kind of book would I like to see? And, and it's not like I love my art. I look at my art and and honestly, I, I can't stand it. You know, I love it as soon as I'm done with it. And then I'm the next day I'm like, Oh, I could do better. Oh yeah. man. But it's, but it's hopefully, <laughs> uh, I think every artist is that way. You know, if you, okay. If you, yeah. You, I hear better, you, man. you know, if you, if you liked what you did 10 years ago, then you didn't, you didn't progress. You're not getting better. True. No, you're right about that. That's a very good point. Well, how would you say, um, because I, I guess I'm assuming that from your art classes you learned um, what the equivalent in comics would be panel composition, because that's no different than you know really composing you know a painting that you know whether it's a landscape or you're you're showing a couple figures in a scene. Um, but as far as as page composition, is it really just panel to panel and 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 putting it together, or how do you think that uh, actually developed in terms of that? Because Really, you can see the progression if you go back to Pistol Whip and Super Spy. And uh, but the great thing is you've you've retained your style. And again, I, I just think it's so distinct. You and Lemire, Jeff Lemire is like this as well. I know you guys are buddies mm-hmm. as well. So, yeah. Uh, that's the great thing is you guys tackle these really fun genres in this very unique singular art style that you both have. And I think it just makes it even more interesting. Oming was the same way when he was doing uh, when he was first doing Powers, and it was brand new. It's like, yeah, okay, fine, this is crime, but I've never seen crime done this way. I could say the same thing about you with spy stories with super spy and stuff. Yeah. So, like, yeah, but panel panel composition, or I should say, page composition. Do you think that just came through time, or can you point to any direct influences that helped you out in terms of composing a page? Yeah, you know what I. The thing is, like, I don't, I don't really look at the page as like one big piece of art. Like, I, I really, okay. I don't, I don't like, um, I really don't like super elaborate layouts where it's like uh, big flowing figures and then the panel leads you across the page and then down and everything. I feel like that can be distracting. Um, okay. Anyway, my approach to to layout in comics, it's almost more like right. It's closer to writing. Like to me, I feel like the panels are words. And you're putting these words together into a sentence, and so the the page is um, is a sentence or a paragraph, you know. So it's, mm-hmm. so if you have if you're writing a sentence, you're not 
making one word like super big and then one super small and then changing colors, you're you're making it so it all flows together. So to me, like the perfect page is a page where you're where you're not looking, you're not pulled out of the art and looking at the page. You're sucked into the story and you're looking panel to panel, you know, and progressing through the story and and moving through it and you're in it rather than looking at it, you know. And it's not to say that I don't. Like I love, uh, gosh, what's his name? George. I love all the old guys. Tuska was really good at that stuff. Love George Tuska, sure. And uh, who's it? Oh, I'm drawing a blank. The Darede- great Daredevil artist, Gene Colan. Gene Colan, one of my favorites. And he does every- everything I said I don't like. He does all of that stuff, and I love it. <laughs> you know, I really love it. Like it, it looks so great, you know. But I feel like as a, especially as a writer artist, like I, I'm not interested in that. That's not what interests me for me to do. You know, I, to me. Story is king, and I want you to be sucked into the story. And eventually, I would love it if the art was just invisible. Like if you're just into it, and you're thinking about the character and the idea and the story and the pacing, and the art kind of disappears. You know, like I feel like that—that's my goal. You know, is to is to just completely suck you into the book. No, it's and you know it's funny because Colin, much like you as well, inspired by movies, and and really would say to me that yeah, his panel composition. Uh, was coming from movies. He's like everything was from movies. He goes, you know, I he goes, I was such a fan, and that's really how you know I, I thought when I when I was designing my books and everything. And it's like you know, I mean, it, it's self evident. But um, there's just there really is there's just great architecture in here in terms of uh, the structures, the under the undersea base and everything, and the the uh, space uh, base as well. And uh, like we said, the the uh, the uniforms. I mean, it's it it just is really great, and I, that's the thing. I, it's just it stands out because it's your style, your art style, just makes it that much more interesting and different. So, uh, no man, I, and I and you know, yeah, and also a great story too. So, how many issues uh, do you think for this for this story? Um, I'm, right now, I'm planning around two years, but I'm not gonna. I put like okay. a definite a definite uh, issue number on my management, and I was telling Brian Hurt, I shared a studio with Brian Hurt, and I was telling him the other day, I was like, you know what, I'm never I'm never doing that again on, on my management, I called my shot, I was like, I'm never calling my shot again, like, 36 issues, and I'm out, <laughs> you know, because I'm like, what if I, what if I only had 30, or what if it needed to be 42, and then everyone knows I screwed up, <laughs> so, <laughs> I'm not doing that, I'm like, the story de- has a definite ending, I have a working out, sure, with uh, a certain amount of, is- of issues, but I'm but I'm keeping it to myself because <laughs> I, okay. I I really do want to have the flexibility, and that's what I love about the monthly book is I couldn't start I couldn't start drawing issue one unless I knew what the last issue was going to be. Right How where it, you're going, certainly. Yeah, but honestly, when you're working on something this long, and with mind management especially, it was that was a three year project, three or four years. I uh, you get ideas along the way, and it's like I don't want to be limited. Uh, because, oh, I had this idea, but I promised everybody it was going to be, you know, 24 issues or 36. Um, I'm just not going to do it. So it, it, uh, it's probably about a two-year project, but we'll see. Sure. No, that's cool. Well, you know, and the, again, the fact that it is a murder mystery, you would think that there's got to be, okay, there's got to be an ending, a finite ending at some point. Um, but obviously then, too, keeping it loose, I would imagine you're you're going to go into maybe some single issues where we'll look at a character more closely. Yeah, you know, I'm not ruling it yeah. out. I, I do, I do have a certain set of rules I'm following, which is something I've done with everything. Every book I've ever done has had like a kind of an arbitrary set of rules. Like I did the book Two Sisters, and when mm-hmm. I started that, I was like, I'm going to do a book where we there's no captions and there's no 
hard uh, scene changes. You don't cut from one scene to another. It's everything's in a flow. Um, and, and so with that book, even the covers, I was like, okay, well, the natural extension of that is the cover is the first page and the back cover is the last page. So every page of the book is part of the story. Um, <laughs> but it's like weird sort of arbitrary rules to sort of push the medium and try to figure out how to tell a story in a different way. Um, so with my man or with my management, it was the one where I was like, well, I'm going to throw every rule out. Like nothing is off limits, you know, cause I'd done that with every book. I'd kind of done that with in different ways. Like whether it was just a, uh, like a grid, like three story. I used a three panel grid stacked, mm-hmm. you know, for the entire book. And, uh, gosh, what else? Revolver had some weird rules I'm trying to remember what I used for that. But, uh, we had alternate universes going on too in Revolver. Yeah, yeah. So that one had sort of uh, rotating colors that I had. I was sort of okay. married to, you know. Okay. Um, so with Department H, I, my rule is is I'm only going to have little glimpses of her, like three pages of the most of her, of her uh, history, like her memory. But the rest of it's just going to be straight up, straightforward action happening as it does, you know, which is going to make it tricky to do monthly issues, you know, and keep that. Uh, interesting, not necessarily interesting, but keep it from being repetitive or whatever. Okay. I, and I think that's what's exciting to me is to sort of come up with like a rule and then figure out how to uh, adhere to the rule, but also bend it almost till it breaks. You know, that's excellent, man. So has issue come, one come out yet, or um, does it come out this month? No, it comes out this month. I think uh, next week or the week after. So. Okay, very cool. All right. Well, I'll do my damnedest to get this out before issue one comes out. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, no, you were kind enough, like I said, to to send me two, or David was. So whether they wanted you, whether you wanted to or not, I, I got to read two issues. No, it's a great start, and uh, I and I, I really do, uh, as you say, you you play with every genre, and I think uh, this once again is a very unique, singular Matt Kent story. And I'm I'm really glad. Was there would, would it never have been in anyone else uh, drawing it? I mean, is this the kind of thing that you really do need to do yourself? Yeah, it's tricky because I I mean like I have a ton of ideas and I'm working on a couple other books with other artists and mm-hmm. and I've gotten to the point in my career where I'm like, uh, okay, am I drawing this one? Because I really when I'm coming <laughs> sure. to ideas, I'm picturing myself drawing everything, and so then it's super hard for me to be like, oh, okay. I'm, I guess I'm not drawing this one. I really wanted to draw it. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm launching a book that Dark Horse hasn't announced yet in the, at the end of the year. And, and that's a book I, I was like, I was so excited to draw it. And then, and then uh, it dawned on me. I was like, oh, I'm not drawing it. <laughs> that's such a bummer. And uh, so this is definitely one where uh, I was like, well, this goes to the top of my list. It has everything I like drawing, stuff I'm interested in, and underwater sea creatures and 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 submarines and diving suits and and uh and so it's a ton of fun to draw and it's definitely um was number one on my list that's fantastic is um there's another dark horse book that uh david mentioned to me and that's a new young uh, audience uh graphic novel poppy yeah yeah and poppy. I, I don't know how close we are to uh, poppy coming out tell me that's i think that's coming out in june um okay it's a graphic novel it's young adult um, all ages that I did with uh, a friend of mine, Brian Hurt, who's artist on Six sure. and everything. And uh, but we shared Absolutely. studio and and uh, we carpooled every convention, and we're just really good friends. <laughs> but, yeah, no, tell Brian, hey, I haven't I haven't talked to him in a while. Yeah, Absolutely. No, it's good. Yeah. We, 
should have had him on. I should have drug him over to my house tonight. But yeah, yeah, <laughs> he, uh, we, this is an idea we'd sort of kicked around just for fun. I think we were bored at a convention a couple of years ago, probably five years ago now. <laughs> but uh, we're like, eh, it was slow. Nobody was there. It snowed that day, and so nobody showed up. And and uh, so we just started drawing like these real thin line drawings. And then he would pass them over to me, and then I started painting on them. I was like, hey, this looks really good. Let's do some more. And so we would do, we just did like Marvel characters, like Doctor Strange and different things, whatever we felt like, you know. And, okay. And then we just threw them out on the table. And then people started showing up later. And then people started buying those. I'm like, hey, this is, people like this. <laughs> and so we, we uh, and honestly, in carpools, we, we to conventions, would be like six-hour drives, you know. So all we're talking about is comics and story ideas and, and uh, so we just started hatching an idea, like let's do a let's do a book together. What is it going to be? What do we want to do? What do you feel like drawing? And uh, and neither one of us had done a all ages book, you know. And I've got a twelve year old daughter, and I was like, well, I'd love to do a book that's you know she can read and isn't going to scare her to death or <laughs> or gross her out. And uh, and so we just came up with this, you know. And uh, we've been working on it for a couple of years, and finally finished it this winter. And uh, but yeah, pop, it's like. It's kind of in the same vein as like Tintin, you know, sort of a adventure adventure book, you know, a lot of uh, travel and uh, weird locations and mystery and that kind of thing. Just like a fun book. That's very cool. I hear you. I hear a pencil scratching as we're talking a little bit. What are you working on? Can you say or you can't say? Uh, no, no. All right. So is this might be the thing that they might be announcing later this year. Yeah, yeah. Okay, very cool. Ooh, I like it. That's all right. No, no, you, you. That's all right. We'll wait for the announcement. Everything's good. Well, as we transition to to your Valiant stuff, um, tell me what that's like because God, you've been writing and a lot of Valiant stuff, and congratulations. Um, you, what what appealed to you about Valiant as opposed to some of the other uh, companies out there? Because you were doing a little bit of DC work for a while, am I right? Yeah, I, I done a, I did Spider Man from for a limited series for Marvel, and I. I forgot about Spider-Man. Yeah. Oh, wow. What was the Spider-Man limited uh, series? It was, a, story? it was a series. It was a five-issue series with Marco Rudy. It was just a limited series. But they left, it was okay. Marvel Knights, so they basically just cut us loose to do whatever we wanted, you know. What'd you do? We did, uh, it was just, what was it called? 99 Problems. So he fought like 99 for five issues. <laughs> yeah. Very cool. <laughs> no, that's fine. Marco's art was just so great, you know. And it was like, he got to draw every single villain. Yeah, I would think with ninety nine. <laughs> yeah. So what? And didn't you do some DC stuff too? Yeah, I did. What did I do? Suicide Squad, Justice League of America, um, a couple yeah. other things. You know, and uh, it was fun. You know, all that stuff is good. Um, but what's funny is like, I, my brother called me, and like we, my brother and I were have been fans of comics forever. He got me onto comics. He's about six years older than me, and uh, okay. back in the nineties when Valiant first started. Um, he was he was reading Harbinger and some other ones. He's like, you should read these. The stories are really good, you know. And and at the time, uh, like compared to everything else that it was coming out, you know, all the art was great, but the stories were kind of lacking. And so I was kind sure. of getting burned out on comics. And so I started picking up a couple of those books because my brother was getting me onto them. And I'm like, oh, these are these are really good books. This is like this is what the X Men should be, you know. And it's not anymore. <laughs> That's cool. I hear you. And uh, so it was really it hit me just at the right time, you know. And so. I, I was a fan of it back then, and then I sort of, sort of grew up, fell out of comics, stopped reading superhero stuff, and then uh, I guess a couple of years ago, my brother called me. He's like, 
hey, you know, Valiant's back. And they'd been around for probably like six months. And, uh, okay. I was like, oh, really? I was like, what are the, what titles? And, and I was like, all the old titles, like Bloodshot and Exo and all those. And and uh, so I was like, oh, okay. So I was, I have an iPad. So I was like, I'll just download Bloodshot, read it on the iPad. And um, so I was reading those. Literally, I, I just finished the whatever i don't know how many issues had come out yet but i had finished the last one and and like the next night warren the editor-in-chief at valiant called me he's like hey you want to write a bloodshot zero issue and i was like why why are you calling me <laughs> how do you know about me and uh and he'd been reading my management you know and loving that and he's like excellent and he loved that and he's like we'd he'd love to see what i would do with bloodshot and i was like oh yeah i'll do an issue zero but so what's his origin though? What's he gonna do? I was reading the I was reading the series and I'm like, and uh, I was thinking I'm like, well he could go here with it, he could go there. Um, he's like, well we don't know what his origin. We want you to do it. <laughs> I was like, okay. Wow. Um, so at the time I'd been doing a ton of DC stuff, and I was and I was just really it was a lot of work. I was I uh, I I guess everything had started to really catch fire in a way, and so I've. But I was still, I wasn't aware of it. I wasn't aware that I was getting more work than I could do. Um, and I was still in that mode where I'm like, I'll just take everything. Who knows when I'll get another job, you know. And uh, and my management was still kind of in its first year. And I was like, I hope this goes. Is it going to work? Is it going to be successful? I have to, you know, I want to do this other stuff, the other writing, because it's fun. But also because, who knows, you know, comics is a crazy business. Um so yeah, so Bloodshot Zero was my first thing for them, and and uh, and I wrote that, and it, afterwards I was like, oh, I think this was Warren was kind of was sort of trying me out to see how I was to work with, you know. But at the time, um, I was sort of burned out on like mainstream comics and the process, the whole process, you know. And I won't get into any of that, but but I was like, I think I'm just going to stick to my management, you know. Like the behind the scenes stuff in terms of having to work for like a, a company with corporate characters is it when you say yeah that? yeah okay. it is and there's a lot of moving parts you know and I'm not it's I have no ill will or anything but it's just a big company like that with with big properties and they have movies coming out you know it's a different kind of writing process you know certainly you sure. have less control over what the final product is going to be um, and that's something I I wasn't really uh, I didn't really like. You know? Sure. Uh, and and I was, you know, I'm professional and it was nice and it was good and I like my editors and I, and the characters are fun. But at the same time, I I am coming from a place where I've, I've only written and drawn my own thing and I've I've had complete control over the everything. You know, so if it's terrible. Absolutely. If you don't like the yeah. book when it comes out, it was my fault. You know, but there was there were points where I'm like, well, man, if somebody doesn't like this, it's, it's not my fault. <laughs> and. I hear you. No, I, sure, sure. Well, like you said, a lot of moving parts, yeah. certainly. So it's so uh, so it's kind of coming out of that. I'm like, I don't know. We'll see how we'll see how it is, and we'll see how Warren is to work with, and what the notes are like, and that kind of thing. And and uh, and I wrote that issue, and I was like, oh, I I really like Warren. You know, he gave me some notes, and I was like, I everything made sense, and I liked it, and it made the story better. And and, uh, and then I realized that we we've been sort of trying each other out to see what we were like to work with. Cool. And I, I love Warren. I, he, he really is probably the best editor um, in the business, you know, and, and considering like all he has to handle and deal with. And, and uh, I, every, every creator I've talked to about Warren Simons has said exactly the same thing. And really, eventually, I'm going to talk to the Valiant guys about getting Warren on the show because I've meant to do it really even back in his Marvel days. 
So it doesn't surprise me to hear great things about him as an editor. And I think that's terrific. Yeah, no, it's, he's really good. And it's different to me. It's it's like I feel bad immediately. I'm like, oh, I love Daniel Shaban on, on Department H. He's the best editor. But he is, <laughs> here's the thing. It's a different relationship. It's, it really is of course a different is. relationship because sure. he and I, I'm bringing my, this personal project to him and he's helping me execute it, you know. Yes, but it's but it starts with you, right? As opposed to Valiant, where you're coming in and, and working yeah. on their character. So that's the thing, is, and I think with Warren, and I guess I'll qualify it because Warren, with Work for Hire, Warren's the best guy I've worked with because he he's having to juggle all of the the characters that we don't own. We're stewards of these characters, you know. We have to be careful with them <laughs> and make sure we're true to their roots and what they are and everything. And and so it's a different kind of job, really. And uh, sure. So it's so that can either be a good thing. Or it can be really hard and, and bad, you know. And I think he just makes it great. And uh, and the vibe I got from Valiant when I started working for them was was the same vibe I got when I was I was reading about uh, uh what was the book? I can't remember the name of it. It was the Marvel book. It was like the history of Marvel comics. I can't remember the title of it. Oh, the Marvel hand, the Marvel Handbook or whatever, or um, Oh Hot Moo. Uh, not yeah, that's the uh, official history of the Marvel yes. Universe, or, or or Marvel's the uh, the Kurt Busiek uh, project. No, the, it was the it was a it was a nonfiction book. It was the history of Marvel. Oh, Sean Howe's book. Yes, the Untold History of Marvel that's it. Comics. That's yes. the one. Yeah, absolutely. So I read all that, and I, I love that book. And I'm reading. Yeah, it's a really good book. Absolutely, and it's great because I'm reading the stuff before I was in the comics and when I was too little to read and then I'm thinking you finally hit the stuff where like oh, I was a kid when that happened when this came out sure and then you go through all <laughs> yeah. your ages I'm like okay I was 20 when that happened I totally remember that there's the backstory <laughs> for that I, love, I was doing the same thing go ahead I love that book it was great yeah it's a really it's very interesting absolutely man and, uh, but so I'm I'm uh, I'm coming off of reading that book and I'm working at Valley and I'm and they're still launching like they haven't launched Ninjack and all these okay. characters that that I know exist and I've read and I liked I'm like they haven't launched any of that stuff and I'm like this is it's still so early on I'm like this is like being as close as I'll ever get to being on the ground floor of like Marvel comics in the 60s it's like we have these characters we have these little characters we need to breathe life life into and we want to bring them back make them fresh make them new make them make people care about them um I'm like, there's no company like that anymore, you know, not for work for hire stuff. You know? Agreed. No, very rare, very few opportunities like that out there. Absolutely. Man. Yeah. You know, I'm thinking of like Phil Hester right now taking the gold key characters yeah. and, and reviving them and stuff. And that's, you know, and we'll see how long that's allowed to happen. Valiant has, you know, certainly shown uh, a level of longevity and everything. And I don't think they're going anywhere away in terms of away. And uh, and no, they're attracting excellent artists and fine writers like yourself and Lemire and Vendetti and a lot of these guys. So no, and it, you, I I have to admit I haven't read a lot. I read uh, I read uh, Jody Hauser's Faith, yeah, because it was getting so much buzz, and I'm like, well, this is an interesting character, and I appreciate uh, the inspiration for the character and where they're coming from and everything. So that sounds kind of cool. And like I was telling you before we started recording, and I I don't know what the initial miniseries was called. But your uh, Russian cosmonaut uh, character, I, I love that. Now, is that a, an original character of yours, or is this something that uh, that Valiant had that you're, you're dusting off? Yeah, no, it's it's uh, the series is Divinity, and it was a it's the first original character they've they've uh, introduced wow. since the relaunch. And uh, and I was it was funny. I sort of just stumbled into it, you know. It was, I I uh, but yeah, it's it's funny because Valiant. There's Marvel and there's DC, and I've been in the, 
industry a long time as a fan of it and then working in it. And I'm like, who ne-? And I started in comics. I was like, who needs another superhero comic? Why would I put another one into the world? You know, like there's so many. And uh, so to me, Valiant, uh, it, it's tough. You know, like how do you how do you launch a company like that in the market like it is today sure. and get people to care? Well, the the what they have to do and what's and this is why it makes it great working with them is that they have to have great stories like the art has to be good and the stories have to be they have to be Absolutely. great like <laughs> you can't just have like a run-of-the-mill superhero story or a batman knockoff or a superman analog you know you, you have to have you. stuff with like original characters with good stories that are told in an interesting way um and they have to be they literally have to be twice as good as as the other books out there that are because Spider-Man, people are going to buy Spider-Man because it's Spider-Man. They don't care. Exactly. Absolutely. And the X-Men, uh, Batman, there are, yes, there's a hundred examples right. like that. No question. So it's, those story, those books are, are fun to write, but they're also kind of easy to write because the audience is already built in. Sure. And that's, I think that's what attracted <laughs> yeah. me to Valiant. was like, well, here's a, they're kind of a startup. We, they, uh, they're really open-minded because they, they're like, we want you to write the story how you want to write it. Make it good. Just make it good. You know, make it interesting. Make it stand out. Make it original. You know, we nobody nobody gives a crap who Ninjak is. Make them care. You know, and it's like yeah, that's but that's just exciting as a as a as a creator. It's like okay, I'm gonna because I think Ninjak is an interesting character and it's fun to be able to play with those tropes and and people on the surface people are like oh he's just a Batman ripoff or oh he's just, you know is he Daredevil or is he whatever I was like. I love being able to write like that first arc, and I I remember reading. I'll skim reviews. I don't read all the reviews, but I'll skim them just to see if people are what people are picking up on. You know, and uh, people are like, "This is like a like this is like Batman. He's got a butler and he's blah blah blah." And I'm like, "Are you read read through issue four? Get to issue four and then get back to me because you you act as if like I've written this uh, not knowing who Batman is." Like, you, like all of this is a re- it's a reaction to it or it's a conversation with all those characters that exist and and sort of taking that and making something new out of it and making something interesting um, out of a lot of those tropes you know and and, and uh, making it stand out and uh, but it's uh, but part of the fun is uh, is doing that you know and that's sort of attracted me to them and and honestly the, to me there's no line when I'm sitting down to write a script for Valiant there's no there's no barrier between uh, that stuff that I'm writing and my creator own. You know, I think about it like I think about my own characters. As I understand, everyone who's you know that's the best way to approach this stuff is as if you do own the character. Yeah. And uh, well, and clearly, again, like you say, you're coming in on the ground floor. Yeah. So I mean, it was so Ninjak was an old character that again, you know, Valiant said, "Fine, take him from square one and, and reboot him." Yeah, he was. He was an old character, and, and he hadn't. They hadn't rebooted him yet. And introduced him. So he was a character I actually was like, let nobody can do him but me. Because <laughs> he's a ninja and he's a spy and only I can write that book. <laughs> <You know? laughs> I, I told that to Warren. I remember being in the hotel room and I was with Rob and Diddy's right next to And I had gotten a bunch of, I was writing Unity and a couple other things and I was super, uh-huh. he thought I had more than I could do. And I was like, well, you, don't, don't tell me I'm too busy to do it. I was like, let me. Let me write my pitch and send it in to you. And then if, if you think I'm too busy or you don't like it or whatever, then then that's fine. Let Rob write it or somebody else. <laughs> but uh, I, him not knowing I already had a pitch, like I had it already. 
so I was like, I knew what I knew exactly what I wanted to do. So I, I did that and and uh, and then and then got the, the title. But uh, yeah, it's just the stuff's really fun, you know. And it's like it is like writing Marvel comics in the '60s, and you're you're getting to create these this mythology and everything from the ground floor. I'm, I'm looking at uh, Midjack 13, and I know I got issue 12 as well recently. I, I literally got a care package from Valiant today. Oh, nice. Uh, Perfect so, timing. So, yeah, exactly. And uh, was Doug Brathwaite uh, doing your uh, first arc as well? Yeah, he did the first arc of Unity. Uh, okay. And then he, they brought him back for the Dead Side thing with uh, Shadow Man, and he's awesome. He's so great. I was, I finally got to meet him in Leeds this year at a convention, and uh, nicest guy in the world, and his stuff's so good. I he was doing a. It's funny, like I was a fan of his when he was doing X, I guess, for Marvel. Was that that old series, or a, what was it called? I'll have to look it up. Oh, uh, yes, uh, yes. In fact, uh, Earth X yeah. and uh, Earth X. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, no, him, Alex Ross, and um, uh, oh god, Jim uh, Kruger was the writer. Yeah. Oh, that was an excellent series. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, I, I loved his stuff on there, and. Uh, and so I was like, "Oh, it's great! I get to finally work with him." And uh, never thought I would, you know. So that was that, great. that's great. I have a I have a page of Punisher art that uh, Doug does the pencils and Bill Reinhold did the inks. Yeah, awesome. And yeah, oh yeah, man. No, no, I'm a, I'm a longtime fan. And actually, I've, I have asked him before to come on Wordle. He's like, "Yeah, no, I don't think so." Oh, that's <laughs> bad. Like, so okay. good. And he's got like a great British accent and everything. Sounds I hear so you, smart. man. <laughs> well, put in a good word for him. Yeah, maybe I will. It, maybe it'll- Maybe you'll uh, maybe you'll reconsider and stuff. But yeah, it was around the time that EarthX was coming out. I'm like, dude, you're amazing. And he's like, yeah, I'm not interested. I'm like, all right, no worries. A, that's the thing. I, don't, I never take it personally. It's okay. Some people, you know, they just don't want to talk. Jimmy Chung is like that. Yeah. Jimmy Chung, great guy. Tremendous guy. And he's like, yeah, I'm just not comfortable doing it, John. I'm like, no problem, man. No, that's fine. That's all right. Well, that's fine. We want the work. We don't, you know, it's okay. As long as the work comes out. The first and foremost, yeah. God forbid, you know. Well, that's, oh, we didn't talk about it. So Department H, my wife is painting painting the whole entire series so she's doing oh my god work. i didn't realize because I, I just assumed you were doing the colors yeah everything. no 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 i i uh i'm done hey that's great with my management i did i literally if it was on the page i did it so i did all the lettering and the coloring i scanned it in i designed every single bit of it so i was like that's i'm never doing that again it was four <laughs> of the hardest work i've ever had um so i was like what, what can i do so i have uh, Marie Enger, who's like a talented uh, cartoonist in my studio with me and Brian, she's doing lettering. And then Charlene okay. is my wife. She's doing all the painting this time. She she actually taught me how to watercolor. Um, oh, that's great. So it's great. I'm like, oh, I can just hand these pages to you and you can in turn give them back to me. They're done. It's so great. And it's beautiful. Honestly, no, she's doing a hell of a job. Dude, I, I exactly. No, let me give her the accolades. Yeah. Absolutely. Nice going. No, that's fantastic. I brought that up because she. Yeah, so we've been doing a lot of interviews and everything. She does. She won't do the podcast. And I don't. Okay. I don't. I was like, when I first started, I was terrified. Just going to San Diego, I'd sit at the table and like, I wanted to sell my book so bad, but I was ter- I was like, please don't come up. I don't want to talk to. I don't want to talk to strangers. You know, it was so bad. But, uh, you're crunching your pages, and I want to tell you that's okay because it gives a very 3D effect. I think <laughs> when people listen to the podcast, and that no, honestly, man, I think it's great because it's it's the artist at work while <laughs> at least discussing other work. This so is I the don't key mind, to meeting sorry. deadlines. Multitask. Yeah, exactly. No, 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 dude. That's the same. Lemire's like that too. I can only talk to Lemire like a certain window of the day 
because he's constantly working. And I'm like, hey, that's totally fine. I get it. That's all right. We're catching you while you're working and everything. And no, people can make it out. It's all right. They're, they're getting the gist of it. They might lose a word here or there. But it's if it was bad, I'd tell you to repeat yourself. Okay. So, yeah, you're good. No no worries, man. But that's great that Charlene's doing that. That's terrific. Yeah. No, it's been great. It, is it Charlene? I don't want to get her. Yeah, yeah, Charlene. All right. Very cool. Excellent. Very cool. No, and – um. No, and and so so how is it you know working with these artists and stuff at Vine because you're you're working with a lot of them obviously. No, it's really great, and uh, you know they 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 treat the artists like they do the writers. You know they're you know they're super inclusive and everybody's involved and it's it's never a thing like here draw this. You know there's a lot, always a lot of feedback and and back and forth and collaboration and, and everything. You know nobody feels like they're just doing it for the job you know we're doing it we're trying to make the best comic we can you know um i've been super lucky to work with clayton crane on rye and fantastic he's he's amazing you know that honestly yeah, he is. rye is like a that's like a creator on book in the way we work together where we just we'll talk on the phone and talk about ideas and kick things back and forth and then um it's just super organic and then uh who is it oh and then trevor hair sign on uh divinity is just so great like his art is so amazing and and uh and uh he's just perfect for that book he's been really great to work with too now and divinity is the one with the with the cosmonaut yeah yeah that's the russian cosmonaut okay well let, here uh, while we're, we mention rye so tell me tell me about rye i know it takes place in 4001 yeah so but, it's, uh, it's in the valiant universe but it takes place in 4001 and it follows this protector of japan and and Japan now is basically a floating satellite that revolves around the Earth. And cool. uh, it's just like, it's huge, you know. It's sector after sector of city, like, stacked on top of another, one after another. And everything you could dream of is sort of in there. It's fun. It's like super hard sci-fi, future world-building kind of stuff, you know. Excellent. And so tell me about Divinity, because beyond the fact that, it, was she a lost cosmonaut? Yeah, so it's, the first series, uh, you meet the you meet the guy. His divinity is his name, and then he uh, he's a Russian cosmonaut. He goes into space at the end of the series. This sort of spoils the first series, but at the end of the series, he realized he didn't go by himself. There were two other astronauts with him. Um, okay, and so he returned by himself with all these crazy cosmic powers. Uh, okay, and he was he sent off in the fifties or whatever. Yeah, he was launched in the sixties while America's trying to land on the moon. They're sending this capsule as far as they possibly can into the, into space, you know, the deep space mission, edge sure. of space. Yeah. So then he meets something crazy out there and then comes back and has all these sort of crazy powers. Okay. Uh, all right. And then there's more to it than that. It's super sad, really. Like there's like a relationship with his wife and he had a kid and everything. And, and uh, but it's, it's one of my does he come, stories. Does he come back in like the two thousands or whatever? Like 60 yeah, years comes later back or? in present day. Yeah, wow. But he, okay. But then the the twist is like he has all the power on her power of a god really. So, you know, he wants to bring his wife and kid back, you know, because they're Oh, wow. And uh so that kind of happens, but in sort of a sad sad sort of monkey paw kind of way. <laughs> I hear you, man. Okay, uh, very cool. All right. And so And then this and then and now this new mini series is starting. Yeah, so series 2 it starts uh with one of the cosmonauts that he left out there. You know, she's still alive. <laughs> so we sort of follow her story and then she's coming back and she's going to have, uh, she's going to have words with him about why he left her there. And that's sort of a, uh, 
where uh, series two begins. Can I tell you my one of my and I it's I always feel like an asshole saying this because sadly a lot of these missions ended in cosmonauts' deaths, but like uh, great Soviet uh, space disasters on like Dis- Discovery Channel or the Science Channel, <laughs> yeah. whatever. Yeah. Truly one of my favorite things because of things like that, deep space missions or you know uh, a capsule is you know uh, doing reentry and. You know, something goes wrong, and so their retro rockets don't fire. So they, like, come down to Earth, like, crashing and literally crush, you know, uh, uh, on the impact of the Earth's surface and stuff. And just these, like, amazing stories that we never heard about in the in the 60s and 70s and, and beyond, but now are finally, you know, becoming declassified or, or however the, the real stories are actually happening and stuff. So, no, I, I always find that fascinating. And then there was this guy, and I always mention this on my podcast because – I want whoever likes whoever's idea it was to like say yeah that was me and I wish they'd finish it. They had a great there was a great artist alley idea for a story and it was called like I forget a Star City was what it was called. Yeah. And it was what if a modern day cosmonaut were to time travel back and land in in uh, the Soviet Union of of the uh, mid sixties during the space race with the knowledge to, of today. And, you know, does he dare, you know, tip the balance and stuff and, and reveal what he knows to give the Soviets the edge? And I, I just think that's like such a neat story and stuff. And it's like, oh, you know, why aren't they making that? Yeah. So no, somebody's cool. got to do it. No, they have a lot of <laughs> You know, what's funny is like the Russian space program was in Russia, especially in the 60s, was super progressive compared to, to us, you know, like they yes. say first woman in space, you know, and, and uh Right. Long before we did, you know, like this, we're talking 60s and she was a national hero. And, and, yep. But uh, it was great when we were in London last year. They had a, uh, the science museum had an amazing exhibit. It was Russian uh, space program. And wow. They had all these artifacts and original sketches for like the first uh, Sputnik and everything and all this, the sketchbooks and the suits and all this stuff. It was so great. But they wouldn't let you take photos, so I have no photos of it. Oh, I know. Oh, that's harsh. So, yeah, really. What do you? Did you sketch or anything? What did you? Man, do? I got about the catalog. And, oh, okay, you know. that's good. All right. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but, uh, it was great. It was super inspiring. You realize, like, uh, as as hardcore as it was, and how little they they uh, seemed to value the lives of what, whatever they shot up there. You know, they they were ahead in a lot of ways too. No, absolutely. Or or just those like sad kind of uh, conspiratorial stories of like, yeah, this guy never made it. And he's like literally been like um, airbrushed out of fo- old photographs of cosmonauts and stuff like that. We're literally like the entire history of like a cosmonaut is wiped out because of like some mission failure. Or my favorite comp- uh, comparison of the cosmonauts and the astronauts are, and I, I mean, everybody knows this story. It's Hey, uh, you know, uh, we at NASA, we were having trouble using pens in space, so we invented the Fisher uh, ballpoint pen, and uh, it writes in zero gravity, so, you know, it works. What do you guys use? And the Russians are like, yeah, we use a pencil. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, How about that? Anyway, it's been, we spent millions of dollars on this pen. Yeah, yeah really? Uh, we use a pencil. Yeah, that's so great. No, it's funny you bring that up <laughs> about, like, the airbrushing people out of photos and everything, which they totally yeah. did with, like, Stalin and different, uh, all this stuff. They they would go back and, and sort of try to rewrite history which is literally yeah yeah was great because the like the characters the woman that comes back in the series two she now she's has these godlike powers as well she can do that for real (laughs) wow yeah absolutely fun like fun from a narrative point of view and 
especially in comics, to like go through and and then kind of have fun with some history and and uh, sort of play with reality, you know, and have people disappear, but for real. No question. So, so this summer you got a big event coming up with Valiant, right? Aren't you like the head writer for four thousand one AD? Yeah, yeah. That's well, that's interesting, man. Yeah, what like because you've got such a full plate, what what attracted? Did you just want to try and tackle a big event series? No, you know it's funny, and that's it's the other thing that's so great about working with Valiant is it just happened organically. You know, there they've never been a company where they're like, hey, we need an event. What are your ideas? Or, hey, here's our event. Do you want to write it? You know, it's never been that. It's always been, you know, all of us are sort of working on our series through, uh, through the year and give our outlines for the, the arcs. And then and then sort of grows organically out of that. So I think the Armor Hunters thing that Rob did was like that. And then um, with this, the 4001 thing, it was actually just going to be an arc of, uh, of Rye. Where okay, a big sense. thing sure. happens, you know. I'd sort of been building up the whole series for like a year for this big event to happen. Um, that I I can't spoil. It's like it's super huge. <laughs> but I built the okay, whole series. But, but people it. can see the seeds. People can see the seeds of it in Ryan. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And he, Go on, yeah. We, and I interrupt you, so please. No, that's please. okay. It, but it's but it's totally it's going to turn the whole series up on its head, you know. And uh, but it was a thing that was in my original pitch. And the thing where I plotted out, and I was like, you know, we get to issue twelve, and then boom, this thing happens. Um, and so when we finally started getting there, uh, it seemed too big. You know, I was like, well, this is a really big thing, and and uh, we could use more space, use more issues. Um, and then and then I was like, well, what if we, what if we show like these other characters? What is everybody else doing in four thousand one? You know, and I had ideas for a lot of this stuff, and. Uh, and it just became bigger and bigger and bigger. And I was like, then, then Warren's like, well, let's, how about we just do an event? <laughs> you know, then we can get all the story in there. We can pull in other writers to sort of chip in and do like, you know, Jeff's doing a bloodshot thing and, and everybody sort of chip in and do, uh, add to it, you know? And it just, and that's what's great. Like I, I, even as a kid, I remember I hated events. It's like, I don't want to buy every two. And then it's sort of confusing to read. Look, what order do I read it in? And that kind of thing. So I, I, I'm really against them. Uh, but the way Valiant does it is super smart. You know, it's like there's the main storyline. There's these tie-in books. And you can read them all or you can read a couple or you can read um, just the main series or just one here or there. Um, but they've, they've, they're a tapestry that all works together. So it's great if you read them all. But you don't need to, you know. It's not like, oh, this is chapter three, and now I got to go buy a different book to get chapter two. It's not like that at all. It's, I think, is what's so great about it. Four issues uh, for four thousand one AD in terms of the main story. Yeah, four issues. Okay, and and you know, I've got in my hand uh, volume three of Rye the Orphan, which I assume leads into uh, the the event. Yeah. And then, as you say, yeah, Exo Man of War, Bloodshot, Rye, Shadow Man, all uh, tying into it. Yeah. Yeah, it's gonna be fun. Okay. Excellent. And is it um is it just one issue that they're gonna do the events or the the side issues or are they also gonna do four issues tied to it? I think they're each one issue. It's kind of like the Book of Death that they did last year, where uh-huh. there was the main thing and then everybody got to sort of do a a death issue, you know. So it's okay, kind of similar to that. Okay, yeah, and uh, yeah, I'm looking at a, a back cover right now, and that's that seems to be what it what it uh, what it's designed for. So that's great. And does that start in May or does that start in? Uh... Oh man, I don't know. <laughs> All right, no worries. I'm, I'm I'll so find far out. ahead, honestly. I I don't even know what it's. I can appreciate that. Anything is on, you know, but but probably in May, I'll say that. 
All right, that's cool. Better pack no, check dude. me. Well, I'm telling you, between you and Lemire, and really, also, I should mention Fred Van Lenty and uh, Jen Van Meter, and we've said already Vendetti and, and a lot of the other uh, Valiant writers. But I mean, no, like you know, people people whose work I've I've always respected and stuff have been working at Valiant, and uh, Valiant has been incredibly cooperative with me in terms of uh, just uh, sending product and then really just like, hey, do you want to talk to so and so? And I'm always like, I'm not ready yet. I don't know. I can't. You know, I haven't caught up yet. Yeah. But uh, yours, yours and Lemire's output in particular, and also I'm just really happy that uh, Jen Van Meter's been getting regular work, and also Freddie's uh, Time Walker book. They all sound really interesting. So uh, believe me, I'm uh, I was never a Valiant reader in the '90s and stuff. But between Simon's uh, editing and the writers and artists that uh, you know Valiant currently has, it's like all right, I, I I gotta you know give them a fair shake, and also you know like you said uh, in in, a, in the case of Ninjack, it's like well I like ninjas and spies. <laughs> Yeah, who doesn't? <laughs> and Honestly, I like that. It's so great. <laughs> <laughs> so that's cool. And, and it's so funny because literally yesterday, uh, one of my listeners is like, hey, when are you going to have somebody on from uh, Valiant to talk about 4001 AD? And we had already scheduled our talk. Yeah. So I'm like, very soon. Yeah. <laughs> so here we are yeah. now. No, that's great. That's excellent, man. Well, seriously, nice going. And and I mean it. I, I'm, I'm, it seems like you've got a really good balance of the work with Valiant and, and certainly doing your own stuff. And uh, I, I I hope you're uh, you're not overtaxed as Warren was you know fearing. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> no, no. But I'm, you know it's funny is Monday my birthday was my birthday Monday or Tuesday my birthday was Monday or Tuesday this week I can't remember even that's how old I am. Okay. But I uh, I woke up and I told my wife I was like I think I'm gonna just take the day off and not work. And she's like, okay, whatever you want to do. And then an hour later I'm like, I think I'm gonna go to work. <laughs> it's like I honestly I love writing i love drawing like i there's no, i was like what am i gonna do like wh- there's nothing i like more than doing what i'm doing like so it's it's a honestly it's a dream come true absolutely no that's terrific man and again i'm really glad that this audience has gathered for you and uh you know you've you've kind of moved beyond being you know kind of this guy that a few of us in the know are like yeah you know matt kent man i don't know if you've ever tried his stuff but you got to check it out so i'm i'm really glad that that audience continues to grow and uh, yeah, that you're getting the outlet to put all your ideas out there, man. Nice going. That is that is the dream. Yeah, that's fun. So, excellent. And then, you know, we were t- again before we started recording. You said that you're you're doing very few shows this year. So uh, can you give us the rest of the calendar year in terms of what conventions you might be at? Yeah. What am I? I think the next show is going to be Planet in Kansas City. Planet Comic Con. And okay. then uh, I'm doing Heroes in Charlotte, which is awesome. Excellent. Love that show. That's in June. And yep. then uh, I'm doing uh, Rose City in September. Fantastic! The yeah, the Portland yeah. show, and then Boston Comic Con, and I can't remember what month that is, but it might be I think before. It's October or November, yeah. yeah. But they uh, okay, they're really great. They're flying me out. I'm going to a Red Sox game, which I'm excited about. <laughs> wow, so. that's great. Well, then it's likely September then, or something like that. I think. Yeah, I think it, is. it must I'm be earlier because sure. they're they're playing. So. Yeah, that's great. Fantastic, man. How are the Cardinals doing so far? Uh, rough start, but then they've come back, so they're doing well. Okay, fantastic. And uh, uh, are you rooting for the Blues? Who are you rooting for uh, hockey? What? Aren't you a hockey guy, or do I always confuse you with somebody no, else? No, it's Lemire and Jeff. It is Lemire. It's like I tried really hard to get into hockey, but I just <laughs> the thing is like tried the club. I didn't follow it when I was a kid. I don't know any of the players. It's really hard for me to to get into it not knowing anybody. You know. Or... I understand. Although, ironically, perhaps in this very episode, you might be hearing uh, former uh, NHL All Star Jeremy Roenick. Yeah. Oh, that's uh, great. From the Blackhawks. Yeah. You know, I just. Uh, was working my day job and uh, in downtown Chicago and, and uh, our morning guy is really good friends with them. And he's like, 
hey, uh, can you help JR with his podcast this week? And I was like, yeah, that'd be fun. Awesome. So he did an, he did his uh, usual uh, interview show about about hockey, and he was done. And I'm like, he's like, hey man, that was really nice of you. What can I do for you? I'm like, you got an extra five minutes, sit down. Let's talk about geek stuff. He's like, yeah, okay. Yeah. So yeah, it's short, but it was a lot of fun, and it was it was great. I, I knew him. 25 years ago when he was just getting started with the Blackhawks. So, uh, and you know, he's gone on to bigger and better things since, but no, it's really great. And he does come to Chicago a lot. So, so there you go. So yeah, whether, whether, uh, hockey fans care or not, you're going to hear about five, five minutes of Jeremy Roenick talking about some geek stuff. That's on great. Football, so. I, man, we're totally on a collision course, Cardinals and Cubs and then Blackhawks and blues. I'm telling <laughs> you, man, I know. Yeah. But you know, the thing is after, after 20 years of sports radio and stuff, I'm always like I, I have no hate in my heart. I don't. I don't have the rivalry. It's not like Chris Neesman, the, the former around comics at eleven o'clock comics guy, where oh well, let me you know yeah. <laughs> where he gets excited. It's like nah, nah, it's all right. <laughs> so I, I wish I wish the Blues and, and the Cardinals uh, all the success in the world. I have no problem with that, especially when they kick the Cubs' ass. It's okay. These things. That's a, you're a, you're a better man than me. <laughs> well, I'm beaten. You know, that's the thing. I'm a beaten Cub fan yeah, that's at true. this point. That's why, like, we have a winning season like we did uh, last year or whatever year. I don't even remember. I think it was either last year or two years ago. And it's like, it was last year. Yeah. And I'm just like, hey, they made it to the playoffs. Yay. <laughs> and they won the first round of the playoffs. Yay. That's fine. Yeah. As long as we got a little postseason baseball, I was very happy. That's okay. That's funny. So, well, excellent, man. Well, you enjoy the baseball season. And, uh, and now that's great. Congrats. And, uh, yeah, so people will uh, look for you in uh, Boston, Portland, and uh, Heroes Con, and, uh, and now I'm forgetting the first Kansas con that City. you mentioned. Yep. Kansas City, Planet Comic Con, absolutely, man. Matt Kent, well done, as always. Yeah. Congrats. And uh, we will try to make uh, less time uh, go by before our next conversation. Right. Sounds good, John. Thanks. Always nice catching up with Matt Kent. I look forward to the next conversation. Let's uh, pick things up and uh, give you my final segment with NHL great Jeremy Roenick. Uh, guaranteed Hall of Famer. It's just it has been that many years since uh, Jeremy's retired. Uh, I remember his days with the Blackhawks, and uh, as I said earlier, had the opportunity to uh, produce one of his podcasts for him the last couple weeks. And uh, as a thank you, he sat down and I said, "Hey, real fast, let's let's talk sci-fi movies. You like sci-fi movies? Yes, he does, as evidenced by this uh, conversation. Jeremy Roenick, the NHL great." Now on Word Balloon. All right, this is rare, but I'm in my uh, radio studio at the drive-in. Uh, Jeremy Roenick, the great NHL player, years with the Blackhawks, years with the Avalanche. Am I right? Nope. Say, I suck. Yeah, Philly. Come Philly. on. Philly. Go on. You were on another planet, I think, at the time when I was when <laughs> you thought I was with, with Colorado. I was, Philly, little Arizona, little Kings, little Sharks. That's true. Had was, gr- yeah, had I, a great... I was on the I was on the, the Bizarro World back yeah, then. That's okay. You that's you know, a, I'm NBC, always on the NBC Sports. I'm, I'm always on the Bizarro World. Right. Yeah, NBC Sports Network. And your podcast now. Since and now I have a podcast. Jr. It's um, it's uh, Ronick Life with Jr. and Jaffe. So we uh, we have a great time. You can get it on SoundCloud, iTunes, Spotify. It's uh, we're having a lot of fun. We're killing it. That's excellent. And you know, you told me uh, you're you're a bit of a sci-fi fan. So what, what, I love. Talk I, to me. Who do you I, like? I love sci-fi. You know what? My wife never has really gotten into it, but um, <laughs> that's a common you know, problem. Yeah, any, any, anything that kind of like doesn't doesn't uh, like jive with reality, uh-huh. I kind of like it because I like to get away from the reality at times. So, Star yeah. Wars or Star Trek or both? You know, I've never been a Trekkie. That's Love okay. Star Wars. You know, I've watched every Star Wars. Uh, I just saw the the latest one, Force uh, Awakens. Yeah, yeah. yeah just uh, just a little while Do back. Do you watch Girls though? 
Do I watch what? The HBO show Girls at All with Lena Dunham. I haven't seen it. Is it really good? Well, it is, but I got to be honest, when Kylo Ren whips off his mask and it's Adam Driver from Girls, kind of anticlimactic. I'm, <laughs> yeah, I'm with you. I'm with you. I'm with you. I'm, I got you. No, I haven't watched it, but um, I don't have time. I'm, I'm traveling all I know. over the place. And I, you know, it's, it's tough to find even an HBO, an NBC show rather than an HBO show. No, I can appreciate that. So, yeah, any uh, classic ones? Like, here, I'm going to even go deep on you. Babylon 5, yes or no? Uh, I like Babylon 5. Nice, man. Yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. I, I man. might go even a little deeper. Go. A little deeper. Um what is the what was the movie? Um what's the movie from the uh the what's the bear movie with um with uh the bear movie. Yeah, the bear movie with Oh uh, Revenant? No, no, the bear movie with um <laughs> with uh, Mark Mark Wahlberg and the bear. Oh, Ted. Ted. Yeah, okay, those so are Ted. Great. So Ted, you Ted know, awesome. and, and he yeah. and he he has his, his superhero, <laughs> yes. right? The superhero. The second movie where they go to Comic Con um, or Flash Gordon. Flash Gordon. Oh, you're a big right? Flash Gordon guy, Sam uh, Jones. You know, you're I, the right age, man. I watched Flash Gordon like maybe twenty or thirty times. That's cool. It might might have been the stupidest movie of all time, <laughs> but you know, you know, <laughs> you're not alone. Exactly, you know? man. Yeah, yeah, well, uh, Volt, Voltron, the, Voltron the, the, of the Hawkman, just, Brian Blessed. Just, my God, that I mean, guy was believable. Terrible. That, that guy yeah. walks in with wings. I'm going to sit him down. I'm going to let him eat at my place. That's exactly. Right. Um, what, was the, what was the what was the TV show? Uh, what was the TV show? Um, warning, warning. Oh, um, Lost in Space. Lost in Space. You know, we'd but, be good on the twenty thousand dollar pyramid, right? right now. I, you know, Seriously. I have too many concussions. It's hard for me to remember the names, but I You're remember the good. shows. You know, it's Lost so, in Space. Hated yeah. the movie. Danger, Will Robinson. Danger. Did not like the movie with William Hurt and Gary. Oldman, the, the, the remake. That yeah, I didn't like it either. It, there was, I, I shared a cab, though, with the original Major West. Really? Did Real you? nice guy. Yeah, yeah no we, were at a, we were at a comic convention together. Loved it. Lo- love, so. I loved watching that show. I was a big fan <laughs> of yeah, Lost in Space. Good That's stuff. awesome. Twilight yeah. Zone? Loved Twilight Zone. How can you not? Exactly. You know what? It was just something about that voice you were stepping into. The Twilight Zone. Very good, good sir. Like, it was really good. That's and, and awesome, just, man. Just the just the the eerie sounds of coming out of that. You know, the old black and whites. That oh was yeah, just, no. I mean, just classic. Yeah, stuff. and it, it is. It, it holds up looking classic, given yep. that they made it in black and white. Marvel movies. Um, no, that's yeah, okay. you know, no, I like the Marvel movies. Like if you if you look at the ones that are out today, like the yeah. Fantastic Four. Love Fantastic Four, but my favorite X Men. Nice. Love X-Men. Fant- a new one coming up this summer? New one coming up. X-Men is probably my favorite of the Marvels right now. That's I, cool. I, I um, you know, it's for me. So uh, Civil War? W- you, Wolverine you, and the yeah. boys, you know, just for but, me. Uh, yeah. Iron, Iron Man and Captain America, Civil War, it's not going to. You know, I, I like the first Iron Man. I, you me know, too. I, I thought. Uh, that was awesome. Yeah, I thought that was the good one. After that, it just got a little bit too much. Um, I understand. Robert Downey Jr. did such a phenomenal <laughs> job in the first Iron Man, I think, uh but you know they try to run that wave, and now they're now they're bringing all, all of them together. You right, know? Civil War. Yeah, yeah man, Civil it's War, the yeah. Avengers against the Avengers. Yeah, yeah. So I'm not. And then, then now, <laughs> now they have Superman and Batman. Yeah, do you have a chance to Batman. see it yet or no? No, I, I'm trying to try to figure out if I can see Ben Affleck as Batman. I thought he was great. You know, it was he great. I Honestly, he's it. the best part of the movie. Okay, I, think. I have to go see it. So. Um, uh, you know, I, I will give him a chance because I'm a big, big Affleck fan. But just Superman versus Batman, I don't know. It's, it's just kind of weird, right? You are not alone. They are I, just, they're yeah. playing off. They're playing off of everybody's everybody's it's, loves. It's right? like King Kong versus Godzilla. You know, it's like why? Good one. You know, I, which I loved back in the Good day. Good one. Yeah, so. absolutely. That was another one I loved. Godzilla. I loved watching Godzilla. <laughs> the classic ones, the yeah, '60s ones, those awesome. Toho movies, yeah. those Japanese movies. Those phenomenal, are fantastic. Phenomenal. See, you're a I appreciate this. This is good. I'm gonna I'm gonna spring you, but I I, I appreciate that. But yeah, it's again the name of 
your podcast? My podcast is Ronick Life Pod with nice. JR and Jaffe. Excellent, man. And no, as he said, look forward on Stitcher, on iTunes, now on Spotify. Not on, now on Spotify. Nice going. Yep. That's yep. fantastic. SoundCloud, SoundCloud, I'm sure. SoundCloud. Fantastic. Yep. Excellent. JR, seriously, pleasure. Thank you for doing this, and uh, I'm glad to see you. It's, uh, it's, always, it's always good to welcome one of Chicago's very own back home. I love it. Thanks, my friend. There you go. Some TV and movie fun with Jeremy Roenick to wrap things up for today's Word Balloon. John Sutras saying thanks a lot for listening. Thank you, League of Word Balloon listeners, the real sponsors of Word Balloon, paying for the uh, cost of the show, and that includes updating the equipment and making the travels to conventions and networking and uh, getting some of the fabulous guests that we get here. Word Balloon is free. It will always be free. But if you think uh, what I'm doing is worthwhile, you know, I'm not even asking for the price of a comic book. If you can spare a dollar or two a month, that's terrific. Thank you for your support, League of Word Balloon listeners. And as I always say, uh, the best way you can help me out is let a friend know that you like Word Balloon and they might like it too. Word Balloon is also brought to you by InStock Trades at InStockTrades.com where there are great deals happening now on things like Hellboy in Mexico from uh, Mike Mignola. 42% off, just $11.59. You can also get things like Daredevil, the Frank Miller run. The Omnibus Companion is uh, 45% off and just $55 at InStockTrades.com. How about Harrow County from Dark Horse? Trade Paperback Volume 2, Twice Told, Cullen Bunn, Tyler Crook... It is 42% off, just $8.69. You get Rat Queens, Volume 3, Demons, a great series from uh, Kurt Webby and uh, Tess Fowler. Uh, it is uh, 42% off, $8.69. The Manhattan Projects, Trade Paperback, Volume 6. Wow, Volume 6. Nick Patara, John Hickman, very fun stuff, a great alternate history. 42% off, just $8.69. Just a few of the great deals happening at InStockTrades.com. Check it out for yourself today. You'll find great books at great prices. InStockTrades.com. Thanks a lot for listening. Uh, the uh, juggernaut continues in April. I mean, God, we're barely halfway through the month, and uh, I think uh, we've got more shows coming, at least one or two, before uh, we wrap things up for April, maybe even three. Uh, but uh, great stuff coming as well in May. And uh, thank you to everyone who's been on the show and who's coming on the show. Uh, really fun stuff in the weeks ahead. Stay tuned. Until next time, Word Balloon is a copyright feature of Shaky Productions, copyright 2016.